Welcome to The Greek Current, a podcast by Halk and Kathy Merini. I'm your host, Thanos Davelis. A close reading of statements and threats by President Erdogan and Turkish officials that target not only Greece, but also the U.S., as well as a consistent pattern of events over the last months, show that the risk of conflict between Greece and Turkey is on the rise. Ryan Gingeris, a professor in the Department of National Security Affairs at the Naval Postgraduate School, an expert on Turkish, Balkan, and Middle East history, and the author of the forthcoming book, The Last Days of the Ottoman Empire, joins me to look at why a conflict between Greece and Turkey appears not only possible but increasingly probable, and why Erdogan, despite the risks involved, may choose to pursue this course of action. Ryan, great to have you back on The Greek Current. Always great to be here. Thank you. Ryan, a few weeks ago, we spoke about Turkey's escalating threats, and you warned that there is a possibility these threats could escalate into conflict. Given the latest developments, including Erdogan's statements about a Greek quote-unquote covert occupation of Aegean Islands, is the possibility of conflict increasingly more likely now? Well, this is a comment I made back in June. I had made this comment that it seems not simply possible, but probable that there could be some kind of conflict between Greece and Turkey. What that probability is, I don't know, but still relatively low. I think the difference between now and the state of affairs in June is that some issues have become much more sharply defined. And I think the issues that have become more sharply defined is, at least from Ankara's standpoint, the issue of demilitarization in the Aegean and the issue of U.S. support for Greece. And both of these are issues that Erdogan, as well as other elements of the Turkish government, have addressed and addressed it in a relatively bellicose way. So if you want to take into account, you know, the kind of the continuity in rhetoric and the fact that it is becoming more focused, I think that, that yes, we're seeing that probability perhaps grow. But I think that you know, there's still a fair gap between where we are now and whatever potential confrontation one could have with Greece and Turkey. Politicians, diplomats, and the media in Turkey have focused on the issue of demilitarization of the Aegean Islands, bringing this up in an attempt to question Greece's sovereignty over the islands. The United States, the EU, and others have made it clear that Greek sovereignty is not in question. Why is Ankara so fixated on this? I have to say, we can only really speculate. There's not a lot of transparency, and this is something I've said before on this podcast, is that there's not a lot of transparency when it comes to the ways in which Erdogan makes decisions. It's not necessarily very clear about even his intentions going forward. So a lot of it has to be judged you know, somewhat speculatively. Now, my guess is that you know, within the last year, a specific judgment has been made, and that judgment is to deal with Turkish and Greek issues in a relatively legalistic way from, again, from the perspective of Ankara. The issue of demilitarization in the Aegean or the question of whether or not the islands of the Aegean are militarized, this is quite an old subject, right? I mean, there are aspects of this debate that have been ongoing for the better part of 50 years. I think the difference is now that in the last less than a year, Ankara has happened upon a new way of framing it. And the way that they have framed it is that the charge of militarization, and we could kind of go into not only the question of whether or not the islands are militarized, but whether or not it's in fact against the agreements that are cited that Greece cannot militarize the islands. Those are separate issues. But be that as it may, that according to Ankara, 
Greece is in violation of these two specific treaties, Treaty of Paris of 1947, the Treaty of Lausanne of 1923. And on that basis, Greece not only has broken its word to Turkey, but somehow has nullified its sovereign claims in some way over the islands, or at least the way so far that the foreign ministry in Ankara has framed it is that Greece's sovereignty is debatable. And I think this sort of quasi-legalistic turn is a way of providing what looks, at least at face value, a foundation for escalation that would presumably hold up in the International Court of Public Opinion. That's, again, that's being presumptive about what Ankara wants. Now, I think it more likely is in reference to, I think, the ways in which Ankara sees its national security interests vis-a-vis Greece. It's not simply a question of Greece being in violation of these treaties. It's actually just the sheer fact that Greek sovereign territory exists within close proximity of Turkey's shores, potentially buffering or constraining Turkey's access to the sea. And the fact that you know this alone exists is unacceptable. And the prospect that Greece could somehow act as a, a kind of veto power in Turkey's sovereign interests within its own maritime space has to be done in some way. And I think that this tactic that they're pursuing right now in terms of presenting this quasi-legalistic argument is in pursuit of that goal, is in pursuit of those national interests. When it comes to the Aegean, Ryan, Erdogan's threats aren't limited to Greece. In fact, they also now include the United States. There are even voices coming out of Turkey implying that the U.S. is responsible for the escalation that we're seeing in tensions. Why is Erdogan vilifying the U.S. here? For those of you out there who don't follow Turkish media very closely or haven't followed it for a very long time, it should be said that, you know, the charge, as Erdogan himself has levied, that the United States is essentially using Greece to get at Turkey or to somehow undermine Turkey. This charge is actually a very old one in principle. Going back for a very, very long time, segments of the Turkish commentariat have argued that the United States has used various cutouts, if you will, as a way of undermining Turkish sovereignty or undermining even the existence of the Turkish state. It's long been argued that the PKK, for example, is the creation of the United States, in essence, is a kind of cat's paw of the United States. You know, through the development of tensions between the United States and Turkey over Syria, we've heard the same charge, specifically, again, with respect to Kurdish militants in Syria. Greece, I think, you know, very similarly, going back a long time, was perceived in certain Turkish circles as an extension of U.S. hegemony and a tool to keep Turkey down. So the charge in and of itself isn't new. It's not that original. I suppose what is different is that in leveraging this charge, Erdogan is the most senior head of state, essentially arguing that the United States is not simply somehow at odds you know, with one another, but that the United States is a malevolent force as a part of a broader Western conspiracy. And that is, at least from the perspective of past, or at least in comparison to past heads of state, that's relatively new. And I think it does give us some indication, the fact that he's invoked this idea that the United States is behind these tensions, 
gives us some idea of perhaps what he wants in pursuing the kind of rhetoric that he has or utilizing the kind of rhetoric that he has in the last couple of weeks and that he sees what's at stake in the Aegean is not simply islands. It's not even simply the question of access to mineral rights, you know, within the Aegean or the Eastern Mediterranean. This is something deeper. This is something existential for him. And this is something that he wishes to address at a time in which, you know, he is uh, up for election and in the shadow, frankly, of Turkey's centennial. This is a big deal. And so I think this is not at all a trivial thing for him. This week, Ryan, Turkey signed a deal with the Tripoli-based government in Libya in an attempt to further implement its illegal 2019 memorandum, a deal that attempts to delimit the maritime zones of Turkey and Libya at the expense of Greece and Egypt. We also saw reports that Ankara intends to strengthen its forces in the Aegean and the occupied northern part of Cyprus. Where do these moves fit in this broader escalation that we're seeing? I think they're linked. Although, again, I think we have to be a little cautious in terms of seeing them all as intimate, you know, sort of directly interconnected. You know, it's not clear in terms of the evolution of negotiations between the Tripoli government and Ankara, how this agreement came about. We don't even know exactly the terms. One could imagine that it's been going on for a long time, though, right? And similarly, when we look at affairs in Cyprus, specifically northern Cyprus, you know, this issue of entrenching formal Turkish influence on the island, this has been a longstanding trope in Cypriot politics. I mean, this is not something linked, again, to the 2023 election. You know, these are longstanding tendencies within Turkish foreign policymaking. I think, you know, where we can perhaps make a clear distinction as well is that what, you know, these events in Cyprus and Libya mean vis-a-vis what's been happening vis-a-vis the Aegean is that these are actions that are putting paid to a strategic vision that Turkey has. We have not yet seen exactly what Ankara intends to do about the Aegean insofar as these grievances that they've levied. We don't know exactly what their specific demands are. We don't know exactly how they intend to achieve them. You know, all we have so far is rhetoric, which I suppose you know, gives people reason to doubt it because all we do have at this point is words. And, you know, one of the points I've tried to make in the article I wrote this week is that we should not simply see this rhetoric as contingent upon the election or somehow, you know, just simply an extension of the kind of electioneering that we've seen in the past. If you were to compare the rhetoric of the last couple of weeks with other issues that we've seen, you know, Erdogan becoming involved in rhetorically and eventually leading to action. You know, one has to think of Syria, you know, that for actually a good number of years, Erdogan signaled quite explicitly Turkey's intention to invade, you know, more specifically Turkey's intention to establish so-called safety zones within the border region of northern Syria. It seems possible that we're seeing the beginning of the same kind of rhetorical buildup although perhaps still somewhat in the early stages. And I think that people need to take that seriously. It doesn't mean necessarily that a conflict is imminent or that it's inevitable, but I think people have to think about this in a way that's more serious. Erdogan isn't the only one targeting Greece. We see it across the board with some commentators even openly calling for a replication in the Aegean of Turkey's 1974 invasion of Cyprus. 
Is it possible that Erdogan, despite the clear risks that an attack on a NATO ally entail, could choose to pursue this course of action? Well, again, as I outline the piece, any reasonable person has good reason to look at these recent developments. Again, you know, the Erdogan's claim that Turkey will come in the middle of the night, the idea that the United States cannot save Greece from whatever kind of stroke, you know, Erdogan has in mind. One could look at this and say, yes, this is just talk. Again, we're in election season. More importantly, perhaps, if one was to really contemplate the repercussions of an actual conflict between Greece and Turkey, I mean, it would be devastating. It would be devastating for everybody involved. So it just seems to defy logic. And it even would defy what many people expect would be Erdogan's own instincts as a survivor and as a, as a politician. And, you know, one thing that I've tried to argue is that, you know, depending on how you want to look at the past, one could argue that Erdogan thinks that he can weather such a crisis, any kind of crisis that would come about as a result of a conflict with Greece. You mentioned 1974. This is something that you hear commentators talk about a fair amount now in Turkey, that 1974, Turkey took action into its own hands, in defiance of NATO, in defiance of the United States, in defiance of Greece, and invaded Cyprus. And yes, you know, there was some short-term harm, there were difficulties that came with it, but Turkey endured. And that, you know, from Turkey's perspective, the island of Cyprus is better for it. The same would go for Syria, that, you know, the United States has repeatedly signaled its disapproval of any kind of Turkish direct military intervention, especially at the expense of the YPG Nonetheless, Turkey has intervened and continues to threaten to expand its footprint in northern Syria at the expense of Kurdish forces. You know, one could go on and on in terms of the ways in which, you know, Turkey has successfully played the role of a spoiler and has successfully navigated games of brinkmanship. So I think, you know, conceivably, Erdogan could be of a frame of mind where, yes, the repercussions may be quite dire. There would be a cost to be paid. But in the long run, solving the issue of, let's say, the Aegean vis-a-vis Greece, this is a matter of quite grave importance to him, as it seems, but also to large numbers of people within Ankara. And I think that should give outside observers pause. And I think that we should most certainly take very serious the possibility that Erdogan would do something that a lot of people would otherwise think would be not simply wrong, but irrational. Ryan, great speaking with you again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. In other news, as the leaders of 44 European countries met in Prague on Thursday at a historic first meeting of a new political club of nations, Greek Prime Minister Kyriakos Mitsotakis said all members must show respect for international law and protection of human rights, not only in words, but also in deeds. The Prague gathering is the inaugural summit of the European political community. During the summit, Prime Minister Mitsotakis and Turkish President Erdogan had a heated exchange during a dinner after Erdogan reportedly attacked Greece once again. Mitsotakis responded saying Turkey must stop questioning the sovereignty of Greece's Aegean Islands, called on Erdogan to refrain from further provocations, and said that there should be communication and dialogue without extreme rhetoric. Finally, on Thursday, Prime Minister Mitsotakis once again welcomed a proposal by European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen for an EU-wide cap on gas prices in a bid to contain soaring energy costs. Speaking at the inaugural meeting of the European political community, Mitsotakis said Europe must take bold steps to counter market manipulation by Russia. 
Mitsotakis also took a dig at Berlin's 200 billion euro gas price relief scheme, which has sparked criticism from other states in the bloc who say it challenges European unity, stressing that the current crisis mandates greater solidarity. He said a solution can hopefully be reached by the end of October. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.